Crypto is for everyone. Not just rocket scientists, venture capitalists, and high IQ developers. Welcome to The Agenda, a Cointelegraph podcast that explores the promises of crypto, blockchain, and Web3, and how regular-ass people level up with technology. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special episode of The Agenda. My name is Jonathan DeYoung, and my co-host with the most, Ray Salman, is currently enjoying a hopefully sunny spring break vacation. So, rather than our usual format, where we have a guest stop by our metaphorical studios to chat about how they are using technology to empower communities, or to chop it up about some big issue within the crypto space. Today, I will be sharing with you some extended clips of convos that we ended up having to trim down to save time. And I'll also be sharing a sneak peek of what we have coming up on our agenda. And yes, that pun was intended. So, I know you may be thinking, but Jonathan, your podcast episodes are already so long. You're telling me that the initial versions are even longer? And the answer is yes. We love talking so much that sometimes we have to cut the conversations down simply just to save time. While we are only seven episodes in, or eight if you count our trailer episode, it's been a fun run so far. We have had the privilege of speaking with some amazing, inspiring guests, including Ali Ray, the CEO of Wetspace, Larry Williams Jr., the founder of The Labor Dow, Daniel Karias, and Dustin Tong, the co-founders of The Cafe Dow, Adam Levy, the host of The Mint Podcast, Jay Killa, a rapper and the creator of OTP India, Naja Roberts, a Bitcoin educator, radio host, and founder, and most recently, Molly Jane Zuckerman, the former content lead at CoinMarketCap, and the recently announced new opinions editor at BlockWorks. Now our full catalog of shows is available to listen to on Spotify and Apple Music. And really, if you're listening to this, you're probably on one of those platforms or some other platform where you can easily find the back catalog of our shows. And I encourage you to check those out. I have a personal bias here, but I find the conversations quite interesting. As I mentioned, I'm also excited to share with you a little preview of some of the topics we will be covering over the next couple of months. But first, let's hear some of that sweet behind-the-scenes audio that everyone has been desperately waiting for on the edge of their seats to hear, ears pressed firmly against their laptop or phone speakers, angry with anticipation. So to kick things off, I want to play an extended clip from episode two. That is our conversation with the Labor Dow and the Cafe Dow. In that episode, we talk about how decentralized autonomous organizations are reforming collective action and changing the face of labor organizing. At one point, Dustin of the Cafe Dow and Larry of the Labor Dow got into a conversation about whether or not it means that management has failed 
if workers decide to form a union. In this extended clip, Larry responds to Dustin's point and then gets into more detail about his own background with unions than we included in the published version. In my perspective, let's say that any large, large DAO forms, and then let's say Cafe DAO actually gets as big as Starbucks, let's say. If a union forms in Cafe DAO, I think the Cafe DAO has failed. Tell me why you feel that way. In my opinion, a union forms because there's a, it's a misalignment between the business and its employees. Hopefully, a DAO won't have that kind of misalignment. So two things. One, I mean, unions sometimes form for that reason. But people oftentimes, this is the third scenario we didn't talk about, right? Do they form before or after? A lot of times people join a union because they simply get into a union workplace and they become a member of the union, right? The other thing is that not every union is at odds with the employer. A lot of times unions are very instrumental in an in industry surviving. So like UAW, for example, when the auto industry failed, the UAW was instrumental in bringing that industry back, taking cuts, you know, trying to work with them and you know, changing the work practices, bringing in technology, right? So again, like going back to what I said in the beginning, uh, a union is just a form of organization. It's really about the workers. So like if your workers were this, to decide that they wanted that union, it doesn't necessarily mean that they hate you or that you're not good at what you do. It could also mean that they just want a structure. And so we see unions as a way for it actually can be beneficial to the leadership of the organization because a lot of times you have problems that are wild i remember in the sierra club like literally it was a mess right like everybody was making different amounts of money which is normal of a large organization a national organization but there were some serious discrepancies right and you could it was just so clear and the turnover rate was very high what once we organized our union we put all of our issues in front of management they had no choice but to really think through this with us we had to go through a collaborative bargaining session or a bunch of sessions where we sat down we ironed out these proposals over months and then we we were able to create a, a workplace that is not perfect but much better than it was before every time we bargain a contract it gets better and better now what happens all the time not working there anymore but people when they see me at some event or something like oh yeah i remember you from Sierra Club, you're the PWU guy, you're one of the PWU guys, didn't you? So first of all, thank you, because I, I started working at Sierra Club because they're a union employer. They said they saw when they saw they had a union, they were like, I want to work there because that means stability. That means like I can work there without fear. I'm getting fired over something simple and stupid because my rules are right there in front of me in my contract. And this is there's an acknowledgement between the management and the employees about this is a set of rules. And if there's if that's not followed, there's a way to actually work through and process those issues with the employee versus every other employer where it's like you're at will. Oh, you didn't follow the rules, you're fired. You see what I'm saying? So you got to think of it as like a conflict management and resolution system. When unions are uh, more combative, it's because the employer is pretty bad because there's never a situation where the union has the upper hand. I mean, it's just... The employer at the end of the day still can fire somebody, right? Maybe they have to go through the process. They still have to fire people. So no, no union I've ever been a member of or ever like, you know, worked with or whatever was like, yeah, we can't wait to go on strike or <laughs> we can't wait to like, you know, they may hype themselves up that way, but they're just trying to like get what's fair for them. You shouldn't be afraid of your, your workers organizing. You should more think about, okay, maybe like if I raise my standards to a certain level, they won't need it, but if they do decide to do it, it's fine because we're still gonna have a great relationship.
This next clip comes from episode three, which featured Adam Levy of the Mint podcast and rapper and Web3 entrepreneur Jay Killer. In it, we discussed music NFTs, hip-hop in India, the creator economy, and how non-fungible tokens can help independent content creators monetize their work and grow their audience. Now, we released this episode in January, but we actually recorded it last July. A couple weeks prior to recording the episode, Jay and I met up at NFT NYC at a music NFT event. A funny story about that party is that at one point, Jay and his friend started talking to a couple of random people. I eventually wandered over and joined them, and I ended up talking to this guy for a few minutes. I asked him what he did for work, and he told me that he worked for Cointelegraph. And I was like, wait, what? I also work for Cointelegraph. And we shared this sort of crazy moment where we realized that we both worked for the same company, but had never met each other in person, and never even had crossed paths on Slack. It was such a funny real-life representation of crypto, where everything is so decentralized, yet at the same time, it's such a small world. Anyways, during our interview with Adam and Jay, we actually had a rather long conversation about music in general, and what we had been listening to at the time. We ultimately cut a lot of it out to save time, and because some of the references were pretty dated by the time it was released. But here is the full, extended conversation so that you may criticize our music tastes to your heart's desire. My DMs are open. Speaking of music, is there anything that the two of you are, uh, that you've been bumping recently, any particular artists that are kind of uh, at the top of your, your Spotify playlist rotation? I mean, the song that I've been bumping right now is, is uh, Running Up That Hill. That Kate Bush song from uh, a, Stranger, Stranger Things, Things one, yeah. <laughs> man, it's too good. It's too good. That's like I'm hearing people call that the song of the summer, and it's from the '80s, right? I know. Yeah, it is. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Otherwise, you know that uh, in terms of like crypto songs, that this girl um, Salem Malise, I, for, I forgot her last name, but she has that song "Crypto Boy." That was I was listening to that for a little bit. That was that was a good song. Oh, I think I heard that on TikTok. Is that the I don't want oh no crypto boy <laughs> something like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It sounds like Olivia Rodrigo. Yes, yes. <laughs> what about you, Adam? So, for me on Spotify, for whatever reason, two completely different genres <laughs> have been bumping for a minute. So, ABBA, the disco band uh from the 70s. Hey. I've been I've been listening to a lot of their music and just trying to understand well their music seems so simple but I know it's complex like being able to condense and create something that sounds so simple from a, a lyrical point of view and from a melody point of view I don't know I think it's because their like their leverage is English is not their first language so they tell stories in a much more different way right um because they're I think they're where are they from the Netherlands if I'm not mistaken and uh, you can tell in the way they speak, in the way they sing, in the stories that they that they kind of preach. It's it's like it's very like I don't know. It's, it feels like a, a story, like a narrative. So that's Abba. And then the next artist is Ant Sanders or Saunders. Uh, I came across him on TikTok, and uh, I love his voice. I love his style. So that's on Spotify. Not on Spotify, which I've been finding a lot more interesting music is uh, Bloody White. I've been constantly playing Jumper. 
he minted 50 editions of this song. I don't think it's on Spotify. I couldn't find it, but uh, it's incredible. And unfortunately, I don't own, I didn't manage to collect one of them, but I've been going through my friends' wallets and just trying to listen to their, uh, to their songs and what they've collected. And I came across this gem. And it's actually, it's, it's, it's a really, really good song. I find more interesting music in Web3 than I do through Spotify's algorithms uh, currently. Yeah, that's just me, maybe. I don't know if anybody else feels the same sentiment. Before we transition, I guess I'll say what I've been listening to. The Black Keys have a new album out called Dropout Boogie, and it bangs. It's one of the few albums that bangs from first track to last track. And when, it, when the album ends... And then it goes on to like Delta Cream or El Camino or some of their other albums. You don't even know. Like, that's how good it is. The album ends, you want more. And my playlist has shifted to something else. And if it's by them, I didn't even realize it was over. So I love the Black Keys and that album's hitting really hard. If you haven't heard it, you know, you should listen to it if you like nice. rock and roll. It's, it's the real deal. Like, it's really the real deal. It's funky and it's uh, it's rocky and, you know, it's got a bit of a folk tinge to it. The lyrics are strong. Sonics, it's recorded really well. And then on the flip side, I was telling Jonathan earlier, NBA playoffs had ended. But as they were going, um, since it was Boston, one of my favorite rappers, Guru, who used to be in Gangstar with DJ Premier, is from Boston, even though he repped Brooklyn a lot. So during the playoffs in Boston, every home game, they were playing like all the guru tracks and instrumentals and whatnot. And that was that was like my first hip hop song ever, Step Into the Arena. I had it on tape. I used to listen to it on a Walkman at my grandparents. And that's what really like, it's the first hip hop song I ever remember. And it was the first time I ever heard James Brown sampled and realized that, hey, hip hop is really just a lot of loops and samples. So um, the NBA playoffs sent me back down memory lane. So I've been bumping like mass appeal, step into the arena, above the clouds, respect, you know, like all these songs by Guru who he passed like 10 years ago. So it's just been a nice trip down memory lane. Wow, nice. I've also been on a, a, I mean, I'm, I've always been on a hip hop tip since like, I don't know, high school, I guess is when I first started listening primarily to hip hop, but I've been, I don't know, I, I, just, I can't get enough of Griselda. So I've been listening to the new Conway the Machine album or a fairly new Conway the Machine album. I think it's from February. Uh, and it's just so good. And the lyricism is on point. The beats are always like crazy. Like these Griselda type beats are the perfect freestyle beats, just grimy. And then on the other hand, I don't know, I've always just had a had a thing for like aggressive, angry music, I guess. So <laughs> I'm also have been trying to amp myself up. I might go see Lamb of God, the metal band in September. So I've been amping up and listening to that uh, that group as well. And, oh, man, it's just like the perfect, oh, the train was slow. <laughs> Somebody stepped on your foot. Like, you just put on a Lamb of God song, you know, knock out 20 push-ups, and you've already forgotten about it. Wow. Yo, Griselda is fire, bro. I love West Side Gun, his voice. Mm. Yeah, yeah, he smoked too many L's, I think. He's got that <laughs> killer. Upstate New Jersey, like, really. yeah. Too much trouble voice, right? Mm-hmm. 
let's get into it. Let's get back to actual music NFTs rather than what we're listening to. I hope you've enjoyed these extended conversations and that you've had as much fun listening to them as I've had making this special episode and revisiting them. Before I let you go, though, I just want to give you a quick preview of some of the themes and topics we will be covering over the next few weeks based on some of the guests that we've booked. I don't want to spoil the fun of who the specific guests are, but here is some of what we are excited to be discussing. The importance of cybersecurity awareness and anti-surveillance in inner-city communities and the role technology plays in both controlling us and helping us escape control. How Bitcoin economies are being built in the global south and elsewhere and whether the promise of Bitcoin on paper stacks up against the reality on the ground. The ways blockchain technology can help strengthen mutual aid and what role technology can realistically play in catalyzing mass movements for change. The legacy of decentralization in technology in Rojava, Syria, as well as what exactly Lunarpunk is. And the ever-growing growth of the blockchain industry and crypto usage in Africa. And the opportunities as well as challenges presented as capital flows into the continent. That's it for me. I've done a lot of talking today, and I hope that you enjoy the rest of your day, wherever you are, whatever time it is, and in whichever month and year you are listening to this. Peace, and I'll catch you on the next episode of The Agenda. The Agenda is hosted and produced by me, Ray Salmon. And by me, Jonathan DeYoung. You can listen and subscribe to The Agenda at Cointelegraph.com slash podcasts or on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever else podcasts are found. If you enjoyed what you heard, rate us and leave a review. You can find me on Twitter at Horace Hughes, H-O-R-U-S-H-U-G-H-E-S. And I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and just about everywhere else at Mad Dopematic. That's M-A-D-D-O-P-E-M-A-D-I-C. Be sure to follow Cointelegraph on Twitter and Instagram at Cointelegraph. 